Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, today we're getting involved. Today, we're talking about what it looks like to get involved in the game design community. We're talking to Danielle Reynolds from DMR Creative Group. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, really excited for you to be here. Really pumped just to talk through all these different angles, all these different ways that designers, whether they're just getting started, just brand new, trying to figure out, okay, how do I do this? All the way to people who may have been doing it for a long, long time of ways to just get involved, to get better at the craft, to sharpen your your sword, so to speak. And uh, so I'm really excited just to talk through these different things that, that you've experienced, different things you're helping out with, uh, different things you've noticed are great ways for game designers to get better, to get involved with the community. Uh, but before we get into that, who are you? How'd you get in game design? All that kind of thing. Well, my name is Danielle, like you had mentioned, and I'm currently living in the Chicago suburbs. I'm originally from Arizona. I started designing back when I was a little kid, like many of the people on your show. I would find a toy, like a Digimon action figure, and I'd create a whole game around it and force all my friends during recess to play it. But it took a little bit to get back into it. It wasn't until after I graduated college a few years back that I kind of slowly got introduced into game design actually through comic books and the comic book conventions. So I actually went to C2E2, which is a huge comic book convention in the Chicago area. I think that was in like 2017, maybe. And I was cosplaying because I'm super nerd as Mary Marvel from DC Comics in her black suit. And so I was walking around and this one booth was like, oh my God, Mary Marvel. And so I, of course, had to talk to them. And it was this really cool Canadian online comic book animation company that also turns out used to do board game bento and they were called Blind Ferrets Entertainment. So they actually asked me to sit down, chat, and I ended up spending like an hour there because they felt bad because I had heels on. And honestly, I enjoyed their company. But the guy whose seat I took was actually a game designer, I later found out, who ran Board Game Bunto named Brian Costello. So through just chatting with him, we realized that I could be helpful because during the time I was working at Fujifilm Graphic Systems doing print and managing their technology center. So I printed out a few different uh, booth graphics for Gen Con for them that year in exchange for just like going to the booth, checking it out and like helping where I could. And our, I guess, business relationship became a friendship, turned mentorship, and he reintroduced me to games and the hobby side. Because before that, I honestly thought that you had to work for Hasbro in order to make a game. I didn't think of it as being a, a an author of a book where anyone could do it, anyone could pitch it to a company or make it themselves. So he's the one who kind of brought me back into it, and I haven't looked back. <laughs> Very cool. All right, so let's get a good little working definition. What do you what do you mean by involved? Like, what does it mean to get involved in the game design community? Well, at least in my experience, it was a good combination of volunteering, joining different groups, and really getting on social media. It's funny how games can bring you away from the computer, but getting into the community can actually put you on the computer a little bit more. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think you actually, you bring up like a really good three-part way to do this episode as far as volunteering uh, groups and then social media. So we'll just kind of break things down that way. Uh, but before we get into those, why? Why is this important? Why is it a, a smart idea, a good idea for designers, no matter who they are or, or when they're, you know, where they are in the process? Why is this a good idea to be thinking about these things? Well, it's important because you don't want to be a standalone trying to start up a Kickstarter without anyone knowing your name. They haven't seen you back anything. You're just this person who put this product. It might be the best product in the world, but marketing is not only marketing your product, but yourself. And by volunteering, joining different groups, you're able to connect with people. You're able to put a face to a product. And with designing, it's really about making those connections, the networking, and really, I don't know, improving the community as a whole by putting your inputs to help other people. I see how positive people are, like in your group, the Board Game Design Lab, how someone will just post something and be like, oh my God, that's so great. Like, why haven't you kept doing it? And the person's like, oh, well, I don't really know. And it's like, but then the next person's like, no, I think you should. And just being that hand to hold, that motivator, even if it's a person you've never met before, like, I go to a convention every time now, and now I shake a hand. I'm like, oh my God, no, I do know you because we were messaging on board game broads or we were messaging on the Kickstarter pages. Yeah, definitely. And you know, with my, my group, my Facebook group, that's one thing I wanted from the very, very beginning is like, we are going to be encouraging. We're going to be positive. That is going to be the culture that we expect. And if you're not about that, then we don't want you here. And you know, I, I've been through so many uh, annoying situations in other groups uh, just board game stuff in general, just, you know, Facebook in general, where, you know, people call you names and they say all these all sorts of terrible things about you. It's like, okay, that's, that's not who we're going to be. We're going to be, you know, if you're crying, we're crying. If you're happy, we're happy. Like we're going to be right there with you, whatever you're going through. And so that, that's awesome that, uh, that, that you have found that to be the case. I know a lot of other people have sent me messages really just uh, appreciative of the group as a whole. And, you know, that's, that's not me. That's, that's everybody coming together in the board game design lab community. And so if you're listening to this and you're part of the Facebook group, thank you for making uh, it what it is. It is an excellent place to be. And if you're not part of that group, please join us. We'd love to have you. Uh, we'd love to help you, uh, help you win. And then also, you know, when you're going through a hard time and you're dealing with a loss or, you know, a publisher rejected your game or, or whatever it is, we're right there to, to encourage you. And so that's definitely uh, the goal. And so let's jump into the first section. Let's talk about volunteering. What does it look like to volunteer in the game design community? Well, for me, I've honestly become a yes man. Basically, anytime someone has asked me, hey, can you do this? Even if I don't have the technology or the know-how, I say yes and I make it work because that's the best way to really get your name out there. But as far as volunteering in my area, and I live in the Chicago area, we have a lot of different volunteer opportunities, whether it be driving down to Origins or Gen Con and working at a booth or just working for the convention as a whole as being one of those people scanning in badges or running different workshops. Or there's also the more fun for me fundraising version. Since I used to work at a lot of different nonprofits, I really enjoy going to Lagunitas Brewery. They actually do every month a Lag Game Nita event where they have different designers come play test their games as well as just show published games off. So that's something I would normally do when we're not all stuck inside every month. And it was just like a half day event on a Sunday. So I would do things like that. Uh, Cards Against Humanities is really big out here and they're constantly doing some random charity 
They partner with different breweries around. I was going to be a part of a charity just to clean our river because we dump tons and tons of green in it every St. Patrick's Day. So there's actually a nonprofit to clean that river. So it's cool. It's that finding things that make you happy because I love volunteering, but also it's game related. So you get to make those connections. You get to play some games. You also potentially get to play test and it's all for charity. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, the game design, or excuse me, the gaming industry in general, is just so network-based. It's all about who you know. It's about building relationships, maybe more so than other industries that, that I've experienced. And so it's so important to just meet people, go to these conventions, and like you're saying, volunteer. And uh, now, if I want to do that, if I want to help a, a company at a booth, or I want to help the, the convention overall, like you're saying, scanning in badges and things like that, how do I do that? What's the process of actually making that happen? Well, it kind of depends. So if you're looking to just work for the convention as a whole, join and subscribe to their email blast. They normally send out an email saying, hey, looking for volunteers. Typically, they're going to give you your badges for free and you'll work a few hour shifts each day in different areas. Or if you're looking to work for a booth, normally that's more of a person-to-person connection. So I worked for a Kickstarter booth just by having a good conversation the year before with that game company. Another way to do it is a lot of times on the different Facebook groups or Twitters. If you follow someone's Facebook group, their companies, a lot of times if they're looking for extra hands, they'll actually post it. And since I'm one of the moderators on the board game or uh, the board game broads, a lot of times female designers are out there trying to get people to work for them at their booth and they want to try to represent more females. So anytime I see one of those posts, I jump on it. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I totally want to work for a female-based company or like a partnership. But it's just, it's getting on those different groups, on the different email blasts and just checking up on the companies and conventions you're interested in working. Because normally in their facts page, it's going to say, how do I volunteer? And just make sure to check it early enough. (laughs) Right. And there's so many companies out there that I'm sure would love uh, to have volunteers, love to have people there at the booth, people willing to drive, uh, people willing to to just come in and help them, you know, do demos and all sorts of things like that. And, you know, a lot of the major companies uh, might be a little bit harder if you're talking about Fantasy Flight or you're talking about some of these big companies. But there's so many small like upstart companies right now that just need people. And so I'm, I'm sure that you could go online and then uh, find the, these companies, actually, you could probably just post in a Facebook community and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'd love to volunteer. Does anybody need any volunteers for Origins, for Gen Con, for Unpub, whatever it is coming up? And I'm sure you'll get lots and lots of people to, uh, you know, say, hey, yeah, here's my here's my uh, request form and fill, fill this out and we, we can get started. Now, what, what can I expect if I'm volunteering at a booth, if I'm volunteering at a convention? Give me kind of a, a lay of the land as far as like what I'm going to be doing, things that I need to be aware of, anything like that. Well, I have worked for a bigger company and a very small company. So on average, you're normally asking like, what do I need to wear? What are the shifts that I'm going to be working are kind of the first two things I would ask. And like, how am I going to get my badge? Because once you get in, normally it's like, boom, 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 you're on. You will have access with an exhibitor badge to getting into the conference halls a lot earlier, which is really nice. But normally that's going to be to help set up. It's going to be to learn the games that you're going to be uh, demoing for however many hours. Normally, I've worked where I've worked the entire time and only had like a one-hour lunch break. Or some companies are a little more flexible. If they know you're a designer and you're trying to pitch to other companies, they're going to give you larger chunks and be a little bit more flexible. But 
what you want to do is staff your booth and have at least two extra people. So if, I don't know, someone has to go to the bathroom, someone has to grab lunch for everybody, you still have two or three people at your booth still. So I worked a Kickstarter booth and we had four people and it was just one of those 10 by 10s. And honestly, we could have used a fifth person because you have two people running demos. You have one person swiping the cards or just giving a, like, here, come check out this game. I don't know. um, Just bring in the audience. But just knowing the expectations ahead of time, communicating with the booth to see what you need to be doing, what you need to do to prepare, if that is playing their games beforehand, or if that's, hey, we're all getting here Wednesday night, we're going to have a night of it at this Airbnb and play all the games. Just know what you need to do for that company. Some are going to be a little bit more loose. So you're going to show up, they're going to hand you something, and you're just going to fake it till you make it. Some are going to send you loads of emails, Word documents, uh, rule books for the games, or they might even send you physical copies. They'll be like, hey, buy it on Amazon. I will quick pay you back and you'll have access to this game. I have seen very different versions of it, but mostly just like make sure to have a list of questions answered before you get there. There is going to be questions that come up while doing it, but try to do as much research up front to make it a little bit easier so you're stressing out less and they're stressing out less yeah definitely i think you know communication is key and if you can already know how to play the games that you're demoing before you get there huge huge advantage for everybody now what's the etiquette as far as okay let's say you know i'm a game designer i've got a game that i really think would fit a certain publisher well and so i strategically am going to volunteer at their their booth hoping that i can talk to you know the owner of that company or whatever at some point and say hey i got this game will you check it out tell me the etiquette for that because i don't want to to all of a sudden feel like, oh, you're only here because you wanted to pitch your game. You know what I mean? So I don't want it to feel that. I don't feel like kind of sleazy car salesman thing going on. So give me your advice on that situation. So I've had a few friends do that. And normally you can either be upfront in the beginning and be like, hey, just so you know, this is why I was like really interested in your company. Because a lot of times knowing their catalog of games, being excited about them, that's what they want from the person being at their booth. Or what you can do is you're working, show your initiative, show that you are a very hard worker and that you clearly know their games and see, hey, like if you have any in-between time or if someone cancels on a pitch, would I be able to talk to you about my game? But normally, just like with any other pitching, contacting early is probably better to see if they can squeeze you in. Otherwise, if they like you at the end of it, they're definitely going to ring back with you. Maybe you're going to do like a Skype or a Zoom later on, or you'll meet up at the next convention. But definitely don't sweat it and don't ruin the chance of a good relationship. Right. Yeah, that's that's the thing. This is all about networking. It's all about building relationships. And so even if you don't get to pitch your game now, uh, now you know the person. Now, you know, when you send them an email, they know who you are. They know what you look like. They know that you work hard. They know you're trustworthy. Like you're, it's really a job interview in a lot of ways. If you're wanting to work with a company long term, you know, that first interaction, that, that's going to say a lot about whether or not they want to work with you on something much bigger or work with you again down the road. Definitely something to keep in mind. Now, is there anything else as far as the volunteering aspect of things that people need to be aware of? Honestly, just put yourself out there. If there is a convention you like going to, consider volunteering because not only is it great for networking, but it helps cover the costs. I work for a different company every time I go to Gen Con, Origins, PAX Unplugged now, and that helps pay for my badge. Sometimes it helps pay for the hotel. 
like all these different things make it so a new designer like me can be there in person to pitch my games. So it's this great kind of roundabout of I help them, I scratch their back, they scratch my back. So maybe I'm not pitching to the company I'm working for, but they're the reason I'm at that convention to pitch for other companies. Yeah, very cool. Okay, one thing that uh, we were talking about before the show was mentoring and the mentorship programs and things like that. And I think that, you know, kind of falls under the volunteering category. And so before we move on to the next thing, tell me more about like a mentorship opportunity that would be out there for a new game designer. For sure. So there's actually a few. The one that I am actually now a mentor to very early designers is Mike and Grace Belsoul. They put together one and it happens probably three times a year. And normally you are going to see it on Board Game Design Lab. You'll see it on Twitter and you can actually follow them as well. And I believe their their Twitter is something like Tabletop Mentorship Program, but they also have a Discord and doing that, they also have the board game broads offer one for female designers that are just starting out, starting out. And the women in toys also has one. So I know sometimes with hobby, we kind of cross over with toys or mass market games. So if that's more of what you're looking for, they have an opportunity for you too. And they have a website. Okay, cool. And so what could a person expect from one of these mentorship programs? Like, how is that going to help me grow? So for me, I did it as a mentee twice. And then they actually asked me to be a mentor because at that point, I was able to give a little bit back. So on the mentee side, you are going to be meeting up basically every two weeks for a half hour to an hour to talk to your mentor and kind of go over goals that you have to set up before the program starts. So maybe your goal is I want to have a game ready to pitch at the end of this and it's a three month period. Or maybe you just want a game that works and you want to continue like playtesting. Maybe you want to learn how Kickstarter works. So the beautiful thing of the mentorship program is it's not just for designing. It can be for art. It can be for graphics. It's a way to get into the community, learn from someone who has a little bit more experience than you. I know you talk about that a lot. If you're just a page ahead, you can be a mentor. So it's a really great tool to give back when you are someone who maybe has a few games published. You can kind of help lead them to the point you were at. So in my case, I normally work with people who are trying to pitch to other publishers because I've been on a few podcasts. I have done it with many, many publishers. And so I know how to deal with rejection. I know how to deal with reaching out to people in a positive way and just like how to follow up in not an aggressive way, as well as just opportunities to go after contests. So like one of my mentees, all he cared about was getting games in for different contests, especially when it came to the Game Crafter. Basically any contest they had, boom, he was on it. So it was like, okay, how do we rapidly prototype? What is a way to do this cheap, fast, and uh, efficient, especially if you don't have like the Adobe programs like I do? So it's just figuring out the goals of what you're looking to do, and then they will match you with a mentor that should help you get to that goal. Very cool. Yeah, this is such a a great way to just grow, to get better. Uh, Again, like you're saying, finding someone who's a page ahead or 10 pages ahead or 100 pages ahead, uh, they can show you how to move further down the road. I feel like information is one of the, the biggest struggles is like people don't know what they don't know. 
And so if you can find someone who knows a little bit more than you, then you can gain a whole lot, uh, especially when it comes to creative stuff, you know, whether you're talking about writing or, or making movies or art or whatever, or game design. Just find someone who's been designing games 15 minutes longer than you have and then uh, pick their brain for what that 15 minutes uh, looks like. Exactly. Yeah, my mentors, they were the ones that helped me know which social medias to follow, what groups to look into, and just like better practices for game design. I've gotten much quicker at playtesting and prototyping. Definitely. And then where can people find those? Have, are there multiple places or is there like one in particular? Um, so there are multiple places. I would say following my Facebook DMR creative group, I actually post all those different things on there, but a lot of the Facebook groups will actually have these groups published inside of it links normally to Google forms that you would fill out if you're interested in that kind of opportunity. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk about groups. What do people need to be aware of as far as the different groups they can get involved with to uh, help make their games better? Well, when I first started out, I actually went on the app Meetup because I didn't know where to find local groups. And I found out Meetup was a great way to do it. We have three different Chicago board game design groups just on that app alone. Uh, Beyond that, there's some Facebook groups. So really just researching your area if that's something you're interested in doing. A lot of the groups have gone online. Uh, Chicago has gone online. We do every other Thursday and I run that through Discord. So looking into the groups is a great way to meet the people around you, really connect with designers that are probably in the same space as you. Like a lot of the designers that I am close with, we all have maybe one or two games published, or we're just like really grinding, trying to get that first yes. And it's nice to have that network where if I make a rule book, I can be like, hey, can you check this out? And they'll say yes, or maybe they'll be like, sure, but can you check out mine first? So it's a great way to connect with the people around you. But also those groups help you find things like protospiels, unpub, different resources that you probably didn't know about until this. There's also a lot of game design retreats that pop up. And honestly, like the more you can play test, the better your games are going to be, the better designer you're going to be. Yeah, definitely. Now, what's the etiquette for these groups? You know, when I show up my first time, can I expect to have my my game play tested or give me some kind of just some feedback on what I need to expect going in and, and working to become part of these groups as opposed to just coming in to you know get mine and then leave? For sure. So etiquette wise, normally on your first try going into a group, don't expect to have your game played that time. Bring it just in case, because sometimes everyone just come in to play test and no one's brought a game. So in that case, bring it out. But don't show up, be like, hey, my name is this. Here's my game. Let's play it right now. When a bunch of designers that are regulars that come in there, get there early, have the game set up, are ready to play test. So the etiquette is be prepared to play test other people's games. And for every game someone plays of yours, at least play one to two of someone else's. Because we don't like to see those repeat people coming in to only have their game played and then they leave. Or if you're getting something play tested, just be kind. Don't be defensive, especially if you're a new designer. It's kind of hard because you think it's great. Your family thinks it's great. Your best friend thinks your game is great. But designers have a different vision or they have a different mindset when looking at games. And so they're going to give you some feedback that you may not agree with, but just take it, smile. Write notes. I always carry a notebook. I fill up so many notebooks. But just treat people the way you want to be treated and play test other people's games first. 
for sure. You always want to give more than you take, and doing that is going to build up a lot of social capital where when whenever your game does hit the table, people are going to be a lot more enthusiastic uh, to play your game because you've already played theirs and you already gave them some good feedback and they've you know got some ideas and notes written down because you, you had some really cool thoughts about ways their game could improve and now they want to reciprocate. And so I think it's always important to, to remember that give way more than you take. Now, let's say that I live in an area that doesn't have a meetup group right now. Uh, maybe you know I, I live kind of more in a rural area or maybe you just... Nobody has gotten together to create one of these yet. How would I start one? Give me your advice on like putting one of these together so that it could be successful. A great way to do that is by already having some connections online because I tried to create a branch of the one that I was co-hosting. So I joined my first meetup and then I kind of took initiative to split it. So I was in charge of the weekdays where my co-host was in charge of weekends because I couldn't really do it. But then I decided, hey, I want one in my suburbs since I... I live like two hour drive with rush hour into Chicago. So I decided to branch out. Now I had done this so early on that I didn't know a lot of people in this area. I tried just like posting, Hey, new location, but looking back, the better way to do it would have been to first off, figure out if there is maybe a gaming group through like libraries. A lot of libraries have gaming groups because not only designers need to go to these playtest groups, but people that just want to play games. I've added quite a few to our Chicago group where they're not designers, they're just there to play a new game. So my best suggestion is really reach out, kind of see what is in your area and see where you can pull other groups from to create your group. And honestly, online playtesting has gone way, way up. So that is an option now. I mean, it was before, but it's definitely more of an option now. Yeah, definitely. A lot of people have figured out the learning curve for Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator. A lot of people over the last few months have had to figure it out. And so it's you know absolutely much more of an option. Now, as far as where, you know, not only online, but where else can I talk to game store owners? Should I do this at my house? Like, give me some ideas on locations that would be good and, and, and like how to initiate those uh, conversations like with a game store owner. Like, what would I say? For sure. I have just emailed game stores and asked, hey, I have a group. I know you have this many tables because typically I've gone there first to see if it's even going to work for us. I have done groups at game stores, at library meeting rooms where you can just book it in advance. We also have one that meets up every month at a Lou Malnati's Pizza. So they kind of just give us like on a Monday, they're very slow. They give us a corner of the restaurant. So really, you just want to have enough seats for how many designers are coming, but you want communication with whatever venue you're going with. I always suggest go towards the game stores so that way you can support your local game store. But if you don't have any around, look for other options. Libraries are great. Restaurants are great. We go to Panera too a lot because they have long tables and on certain days it's a little less busy and we like to eat. It gets a little hard when you've gone a few hours without eating and all the game store has to offer or maybe like a bag of chips and a soda. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. And if your game store does have food, uh, the one that I shop at a lot, it's called Gigabytes in, uh, in Atlanta, it's in Marietta, and they have food and coffee and different things like that. And so like if I, if I was going to start a meetup group there, then I would encourage the people to come in, the designers come in and say, hey, you know, at least buy a dollar drink or at least buy some chips, at least buy a sandwich, something like that. That way it's a reciprocal relationship, right? It's everybody's winning, you know, the game store is providing us with a space and then we're also providing business 
uh, for them. But again, it's all about communication. It's all about talking to that place and saying, hey, what's your slowest night? Okay, your slowest night is a Tuesday. And so would it be cool if we kind of had three or four tables over here from 5 to 8 p.m. or something like that? Again, it's all about communication. They want people in the store. And so you're basically saying, hey, I want to bring people here. But then you want to make sure you're uh, maintaining that relationship. You're cleaning up after yourselves. You're, you're not being crazy, you know, things like that, depending on what kind of game. If you have like a crazy party game, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, it's all about building that relationship uh, as well. So let's switch gears just a little bit. You talked about retreats a moment ago, and this is something I'm really interested in once I'm able to move back to the States is I would love to get an Airbnb, get a big house right outside Atlanta and uh, invite, you know, people, 10 designers or so to come. And for the weekend, we just play tests and and make games and that kind of thing. Tell me your experience with those, uh, how they can be really helpful and, and, and like, what do I, what should I expect from a game design retreat? Well, I have gone to one in St. Louis and we did exactly what you said. We had an Airbnb. It wasn't the nicest. And I will say when you're looking for them, make sure you have plenty of tables, plenty of beds and a big fridge because we eat a lot. (laughs) And you know how gamers are. They like to snack all day and all night. But as far as they go, the nice thing about a retreat versus maybe like a proto spiel is you are going to be very familiar with the gamers you're with. They are going to be there to help you. They're going to brainstorm. You don't really have a bedtime. You don't have a time that you're going to get kicked out of a convention center. So you could have the night owls that are up till, I don't know, three in the morning, playtesting games, laughing about a party game that's already published or just going on Excel sheets. So with them, what's nice is you can bring all the design tools that you need. So your cutters, a printer, your computers, and you can go in and out of just playtesting other people's games, updating your game. You can get your game playtested maybe three or four times. If you have that computer, the cutter, the printer, you can keep printing new cards, testing new things. It's just, it's such a faster way to get your prototyping done it's like a fire is lit under your butt you're like i have this group of people they are trapped here for a weekend and they basically have to play my game and then i get to play their games too which is really fun and it'll be inspiring but you know that you have this group that's all in the same boat maybe they have a game that's getting ready for kickstarter so they're just looking for those tweaks or maybe you have a game idea that hasn't been flushed out at all but you're surrounded by like-minded people that are creative and they're to support you and laugh with you, eat with you. And you're basically going to become best friends afterwards. I have definitely harassed quite a few of the designers I happen to go on a retreat with. But I think it's a great idea for any designer, whether it be they're new or they've been in the industry for a long time to just do these things because it's a great way of tuning out the rest of the world and really focusing on your designing. Right. These these retreats are such cool like sprints of getting stuff done. Right. And, you know, there's a finite amount of time, you know, on Sunday afternoon, everybody's leaving. And so you have a very limited resource in the time that, that you have there together. And so it really helps you get a lot done. I feel like you can get six months worth worth of game designing done in a weekend. And, and it's just a really cool experience. It's something I really hope to, to be able to do uh, here in the near future. Uh, with the board game design life community. Now, one thing, so you mentioned Protospiel. I think you mentioned Unpub. Explain what those are really quick, maybe for somebody listening to this who isn't familiar. Like, what what is a Protospiel? What is an Unpub? So Protospiel and Unpub are where a bunch of game designers come with their games that are normally not published. They don't really want to see published games. They want those games that are really rough. Maybe it's just like drawing on paper, but it's 
a miniature convention in a way of like-minded people there to play test their games more rapidly. So I would set up, if you're at an unpub, they give you these cool little signs where you can put up the little flag that says playtesters wanted and it'll say how long your game is, what type of game, or you can write whatever you want on it, how many players. And so people will come, sit down, they'll play your game, you'll pack up your game and you'll go to someone else's table. But it's a nice way to connect with your area. The Midwest has a ton of these protospiels. And Unpub is normally inside of other larger conventions. They also have their own convention. I believe it's in Baltimore. But it's a way for, just like the game design retreat, for designers to meet like-minded people, find a way to network and connect, but also just work on their games. Plus, a lot of times they actually have a few publishers that are there taking pitches as well, or they're secretly going around playing some games. So you never know who you're going to find. Yeah, these events are just amazing for designers. Uh, usually the designer has to pay a fee, which is not very much, to have a, oh, yeah. have a table. So cheap. And then, <laughs> yeah, but then the playtesters usually get in for free, which I think is a really great uh, thing. They're bringing in as many people as possible to play your games, and, and then you, you know, pay for a, a table space or you, you get a certain time block, whatever. But yeah, and again, another great opportunity to grow as a designer. Anything else when it comes to groups? Any other uh, types of groups or anything else that somebody needs to be thinking about? You know, I think that's uh, most of them. I would say one little difference between the Unpub and the uh, Protospiel is, yes, you do have like the free for the playtesters, but Unpub is a little more organized in the way that you have time blocks where Protospiel is just, here's this huge hall. If there's a spot, take a spot. If there's not, play a game. So just have the mindset that those are different because Unpub is what I went to first when I started designing and Protospiel is something I just saw it on Facebook and it was a two hour drive or something. So I went and it was, it's a very different feeling, but it is still a lot of fun either way, because if no one's coming to your game, I mean, just pack up and go check out someone else's, but don't be that person that leaves their game completely set up, taking up table space when you're not even there to play. Gotcha. And you can find the schedules for these. I don't know if it's protospiel.com or unpub.com. Anyway, just Google search those words. And that's protospiel, P-R-O-T-O-S-P-I-E-L, protospiel. Uh, and so, yeah, just Google those and you can find all sorts of schedules and calendars and you know what uh, upcoming conventions are going to have these events. I know Origins usually has an unpub room. Gen Con has an unpub room. And so, yeah, you can definitely find uh, lots of these all over the country, all over, all over the United States, all over the world. So, Let's switch gears to online. Let's talk about social media. What what should I be thinking? I'm a game designer, just trying to figure this stuff out. What should I be doing online to grow as a designer to get better? Well, I'd say join as many groups as you feel comfortable joining that you can stay engaged with, really monitor. But mostly you want to get your name out there and you want to be positive in your posting. So maybe you don't have a question to ask, say on your Facebook but maybe you see a really great question or a comment or the weekly check-ins on the Friday or Monday, just post. Like everyone is out there doing the same thing. Maybe you're a little scared to do it. I've heard a few people that are a little overwhelmed when they're in such a big group with these super established designers, but everyone's there to help you out. So I'd say with the different groups, just make sure to join them and interact with them. I personally used to not use Twitter except for my day job. <laughs> and I had to bring it out of retirement about a year ago because the game design community is very big on Twitter. 
they're very big on the Facebook groups. So setting up if you're going to go the route of having a game group or company name or logo, you can follow them using that or you can just follow it using your personal profile. Right. And this is one of those things. I've talked to so many designers who hate social media for lots of reasons, lots of very good reasons, if we're being honest. Uh, But this is just one of those things that even if all you do on social media is the board game stuff, it's very, very worth it. Uh, I I barely use Facebook, barely use Twitter, except for board game stuff. I I think I post once every like three months on Facebook and just have have a random idea or something. Uh, But (laughs) the the groups for Kickstarter, uh, for art, for graphic design, for game design and and getting, you know, figuring out things or playtesting, whatever, it is just a phenomenal, phenomenal resource. Uh, and not only for your own games, but just in general. Again, networking, building relationships, figuring out who is who. Uh, find, if you need to find an artist, if you need to find a graphic designer, if you need to find some people to play test. Uh, in the Board Game Design Lab community, we do a rules exchange every month where you can uh, hop in there and, and you can trade your rule book with somebody else's and then you give them feedback and they give you feedback on your rule, rule set. Uh, just all these different ways to improve your games. Uh, if you want to get into publishing, tons of places to ask questions so you don't screw up the shipping and the fulfillment of your Kickstarter campaign. All, just anything you can think of, the answers are online in these Facebook groups uh, and then also uh, on Twitter. And so it is just a phenomenal resource. Now, what would be your advice? You, you mentioned a few things right there as far as like get in there and post and answer questions. Things. Any other things as far as like etiquette and really making sure that I'm getting the most out of these communities? Well, for sure. I mean, like I said, be positive. Try to like other people's posts. Don't be that like silent troll that's just reading everything. I mean, people like to see that little heart or that little smiley face. And I know it's kind of, it potentially sounds dumb, but especially for a new designer to see that someone's actually listening to what they're writing or saying or the picture they're posting. It's just a great feeling because you feel a part of a community. And that's really what brought me into gaming so much and like has kept me going full force is the community that it builds. And the nice thing with the different groups are, so I'm a girl and I'm also an LGBT girl. So I have found groups that are specifically for those different things and they're very welcoming. And I would have never known about it either had it not been for social media, like meeting someone who's like, oh, you should join this group. So if ever you make a comment that maybe it's not in the right group, maybe you're asking for artists on the Board Game Design Lab. Don't just be like, oh, this is the wrong spot. Tell them where the right spot to follow is because they don't know. Yeah, for sure. And that's another thing I've run into personally is a- accidentally asking the wrong question inside the wrong group. And then people get upset or my comments get deleted or, or yep. posts get deleted or whatever. Uh, that's one thing about the BGDO community. I wanted it to be a super open place where someone says, hey, I'm looking for an artist. You can say, oh, here's some or here, check out these other groups without it being like, oh, this against the rules. There's not too many things in the BGDO group as long as it's mostly on topic uh, that, that gets deleted because I want it to be a community. That's another thing that you're, you're dealing with some of these groups is it's really just a forum that's on Facebook. And so the forum is for this specific, you know, asking questions, asking publishing questions, whatever it is. And so if you ask the wrong question, it's like asking it in the wrong forum, uh, you know, on another website. Whereas, you know, the BGDL community and there's other communities online, it's, it is that. It is a community. It's a place for us to come together, to help each other, to figure things out and to grow and, and just get better as a whole. Uh, what else? What else are we missing as far as the social media stuff? Uh as well, far as the etiquette, say, yeah, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, as far as the social media goes, another great thing about it is people will constantly post if 
they are looking for a specific kind of game. So around convention time, a lot of publishers will post in different groups, like there's the uh, publisher speed pitching group that you can follow. They will actually post like, hey, looking for game submissions. So that's a great thing to like look into. Or if there's different contests, like the Cardboard Edison, or you just had a contest that finished up. On social media, that's a great way to share when things are happening. Like, oh my God, there have been so many different 18 card game design contests, like between Button and Shy, Weird Giraffe Games, and just some other ones like you would never have heard of had it not been for social media. That's a great point. It, is it helps you keep up to date with things that are going on, uh, whether it's contests uh, and different things happening at conventions or publishers looking for certain things, but also up to date on what, what are the trends? What are the things people are doing? What, what cool mechanisms, cool themes are people working on? Because I feel like that's, that's something a lot of people overlook. You know, they get kind of isolated in their own little corner of the world and they work on this game and then come to find out that that game would have been really good 10 years ago. But because they weren't up to date on like things that are happening, the way things are changing, then, you know, they might not realize that. And so uh, these groups can really showcase what other people are working on. And it, it's almost, it, it kind of drives you to be better because you see the, the bar, you see how good other people are doing. And I don't, I don't want you to be discouraged. If you're listening to this and you're like, well, you know, I'm just getting started. My games aren't any good. Yeah, that's all of us. I mean, I wish I could see Matt, Matt Leacox and Eric Lang's first games because they are trash. Like Jamie Stegmaier talked about like, <laughs> early on, his games not any good. Like nobody's any good when you get started with pretty much anything. And so I, I don't want you to ever feel discouraged. But at the same time, I want you to be basically, basically get that drive in you to go, okay, here's the bar. Here's, here's the excellent stuff that's happening. Okay, how can I go out there and make my stuff excellent too? And it'll give you some really good ideas. I feel like a lot of times, especially new designers, they get really uh, defensive of their ideas, of their games, and they don't want to show anybody. They don't want anybody to steal their idea and, and go off and make all the money, and then they get left with nothing. So tell me a little bit more about that. Like, calm people's fears as far as posting uh, you know, their prototypes and things like that. Oh, for sure. I mean, my Facebook page is probably one third me posting the projects I'm working on and then two thirds conventions, local events and other things. But the best part about posting what you have and what you're working on is you can very quickly find out if that game is already made. That has happened to me before. And I am very thankful I had shared it with the world because I was only maybe a few weeks into designing this game. So getting it out there. Yes. I know it's terrifying, especially as a new designer, like, oh, shouldn't I have them sign an NDA before they look at it? Or like if you're trying to find playtesters, but really the only way you're going to get better is by having people look at your designs, playtest your designs and give honest feedback. Absolutely. Now let's, uh, let's talk about Kickstarter as far as social media goes. This is something Daniel Zayas, I saw him post actually earlier today where he was talking about how so many people will join. He, he runs the tabletop backer party which is all about you know, new Kickstarter games and you know, people getting excited about that stuff. And so many people will get in there, they'll join the group, they'll post a link to their Kickstarter and they will never be seen again, right? So they didn't want to be part of the group. They didn't want to be part of the community. They were really just trying to spam people, trying to get more backers. And his question was to those kinds of people, how's that working out for you? You know, because people typically that do that, their campaigns don't do very well overall. And so, you know, if I'm, I've got, if I have a Kickstarter project coming up, give me like the etiquette, the best practices for how to get involved with these communities. So it doesn't seem like spam. Oh yeah. I mean, join them early, make comments, back other people's Kickstarters. Don't be that person who's putting a game into the world and you may be backed one thing or you don't even know how to back. So if someone's asking you, you can't explain it to your mom or dad, but just like with anything else, put forward more than you want to take back in. So just 
if you are gonna have your game out there try to back at least two other games like other people are in the same situation as you especially what's currently been going on i was surprised that kickstarter is even doing so well with some of these games yeah it's crazy i mean kickstarter i mean it just had the largest board game project ever with Frosthaven in the midst oh, yeah. of the pandemic. I mean, it, it, the numbers are, are just kind of crazy right now. And yeah, it's unexpected, but uh, it shows that people love games. And uh, in spite of the world falling apart, people continue to want to get to the table and, and play really new, new, uh, really cool new stuff. And so give me a little bit more etiquette. Like if I've got a game I'm working on, I'm excited about it. Maybe I'm going to Kickstarter with it. How often should I be posting about it? Or what kind of questions should I be asking? Because I feel like sometimes people ask questions that they don't really want an answer. Really, it's just a question to show you something, you know, or try to get you mm-hmm. to, you know, know about their Kickstarter. And so like, give me some best practices for that kind of thing. Yeah, I've definitely seen that. Mostly with artwork, it's like A or B, and it's like, I don't even know the difference between these two. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, uh, the, the character, he's wearing uh, a hat or not a hat. It's like, exactly. uh, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, does that change the gameplay? Probably not. But I'd say as far as best practices, ask meaningful questions. Make sure that you're actually scanning through the feed, because lots of times, yes, especially in the Kickstarters, I have noticed more that people can be a little bit more aggressive if you ask a question that's been asked before. So do your homework, scroll through the feed, at least go back like two weeks worth because you don't want to be that person that is reposting a question that came yesterday. Right. That's a really good point. Uh, A lot of people don't realize that these Facebook communities, they have a search bar that you can literally just type in, you know, a word or a phrase, and it'll show you all the different posts and comments that have that word or phrase in it. And so if you have a question that's probably you know, kind of common uh, where you're asking about shipping or, or different things, then you can just search for it and you'll probably get a lot of really, really good advice. And that doesn't mean don't also ask the question in the group because maybe your situation is a little different, but at least that will give you uh, some more context. Maybe your question was asked yesterday or the week before. And so you can see that uh, that's definitely something to utilize before uh, you ask a question, especially if it's common. Um, all right. So what else, what other social media things are, are we leaving out? Anything else? Well, I would definitely say with everything going online, Discord and Twitch have really gone up because people are streaming more, people are trying to connect. We have moved a lot of the playtesting groups online utilizing Discord, which I had honestly only used once before, and it was for a freelance gig to do some layout for an RPG as a communication tool. That was just like what they used. But a lot of these social medias are kind of opening up to everyone else because Discord used to be very much primarily video games. Same with Twitch, except now like tons and tons of board gamers are on both platforms. And I know myself that I normally don't add a new social media until I have to because of the fact that you only have so many hours in the day and you, I mean, I have a day job. I can't be on my phone all the time or on social media all the time. Like, yes, I do it partially for my day job, but I can't be like, oh, notification and get distracted. (laughs) doesn't work well. But being open to trying these new platforms, if that's where everyone is kind of migrating to, you don't have to be on it 24-7, but learning something new isn't bad. It can only grow you as a person and a designer. Yeah. And so explain Discord a little bit more for maybe someone who hasn't ever heard of it. Oh, for sure. So the cool thing about Discord is you have various different channels. So I'll just go through the playtesting group I run, the Chicago one. 
what I have are a few text channels. So we have like our general, our play test, the schedule, game design questions, and then you have voice channels and that's where it becomes really cool. So we have our lobby. When our meetup starts up, everyone will kind of meet in the lobby. Everyone will talk. We'll split up into different groups using Google Sheets. I will already know what games need to be play tested. You'll kind of check in like attendance like you would in school. And then people will go into the digital playtest tables. So each audio channel will actually, or the voice channel would hold, oh my gosh, I think they said like technically you could have like a crazy amount, like even 300 people if you wanted to. I would not push it. I don't think I've done more than like 20, but it's great because you can have these different text channels that you can choose to subscribe to because maybe you're interested in the game design stuff. But you're not interested in the schedule because maybe you live in Germany, so you're never going to make one of these playtesting groups. But you are interested in posting different ideas you have or like ways you want to try to use Tabletop Simulator that you're not sure of. Because, I mean, I have a dexterity game and I'm still trying to figure out how to do something online because it just does not work the same way. But it's really nice because you would send out a link to invite people to your group. You can have the link last forever. You can have it last for 24 hours. And then you can post it on social media and bring more like-minded people. And the best part is because I follow some groups that post, honestly, way too much. So I change the settings where I only get it a notification if it says at everyone or at Danielle Reynolds. Yeah, awesome. Discord is, is so cool because you have the the ability to have these different rooms. And if you like to, you know, chat just through text, then you can go in those rooms. You can just type out your questions and comments there. Or if you want to talk to people directly and actually be able to hear their, vo- their voices, you can do that too. Uh, and it's such a really cool thing. The Board Game Design Lab has a Discord uh, as well. Started up a couple years ago and there's quite a few people over there that, you know, if Facebook's not your thing and maybe you want to use Discord or maybe you want to uh, have the opportunity to play test through, like you're saying, through Tabletop Simulator and use Discord to be able to talk to each other during the playtest. It's a really, really great resource uh, to be able to do that. Oh, yeah. It's awesome because you can lock different things, too, because one of the board game broads moved on there just to organize what needs to get done as far as different uh, playtest schedules or webinars that we put on. We organize everything through Discord so we don't have a long Facebook message going. (laughs) Yeah, that's another really good uh, way to use it. All right. Anything else? Have we left anything out? Anything else that that comes to your mind as far as ways for people to get involved in the community? Um, I mean, just, yeah, following the different social medias, join the blogs that you like, uh, podcasts, of course. I know that's kind of gone down a little bit because my commute is normally 45 minutes to an hour. So I used to listen to a crazy amount of podcasts and audiobooks, but keeping those alive and listening in, especially to this one, But doing that, joining the different groups, connecting with people, because honestly, I have a close group of friends that were just on a Facebook message. Anytime we see a contest pop up, we post it in there. We remind each other, hey, this game group is meeting up tonight. Is anyone going? Just use this way of getting involved in the game design community to kind of build yourself a family, build yourself a network of people that are going to help you and you're going to help them and just Make sure to give back. I mean, do some fun charities. Try working a convention instead of just attending one. Like, see what it's like on the other side. Awesome. Well, Danielle, you're working on Origins Online. Tell me a little bit about that and all the different really cool things you have going on over there for Game Desires. For sure. So, yeah, I am helping assist on the game design track. I have been put in charge of the seminars that are going to be going 
all day Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or by all day, I believe it's from 9am to 9pm. And so that's going to be Father's Day weekend, the 19th through 21st of June. And what's going to happen is every hour we are going to have different presenters. It's going to be publishers, game designers, distributors, basically anyone we could get out there. And they're going to be talking about different, um, I don't know, different subjects. And we're going to have hopefully everything posted as far as schedule wise should go up around the 5th of June. So you can kind of see the preview of it. But Origins Online is just what we're doing in replace of the original convention even though it did get moved and it's kind of a I guess it's almost like a play test of conventions to see if this is kind of the way we're going to be going in the future we do have a speed pitching event so anybody who's looking to do that uh submissions will be closed I'm sure by the time this is up but it'll be streamed using discord and the different channels you are going to be showing your game, well, different uh, publishers will go into the different rooms, hear out your, sp- uh, your pitch for five minutes. So it'll actually be probably more efficient than other speed pitching events I've been a part of because normally a publisher will look at your game, know it's not for them, and then walk by. But this one, they're basically forced to go into each of the channels. So I'm excited to see how that's going to work out. And we're going to have some playtest tables. So if you're a part of any of the digital ones, it's going to be just like that, any of the digital playtest groups, except we're going to have a lot more willing playtesters. <laughs> Very cool. And what was the date on that? So that's going to be Father's Day weekend. It'll be June 19th through 21st. So that's going to be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Very cool. And where do people go to like get a badge and find out more information? So go to the originsgamefair.com and there should be a link to Origins Online. Otherwise, just do slash Origins dash online. And badges are currently open, and they're doing some fun stuff as far as that. It's kind of the pay-what-you-want situation versus a flat fee. But get on there and check it out. Like, honestly, just do one day and see what it's like to be online. You don't have to leave your house. And, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Very cool. Well, Danielle, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Good luck with the games and good luck with all the organizing of Origins Online and everything else you got going on right now. For sure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?